How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I have a gastric bug. How are you? <laughs> I have a I have a never ending January. Um, I have a never ending deadline. the The deadline that just keeps on dying, and then reincarnating, then dying some more. It's uh, it's fun. Um, it's a boot. Well, it's a celebration. What else? I had, a, it's a, I had a, jo- a job today that I just fucking forgot to show up to. <laughs> Do um, Killian is a listener. Killian, I'm really sorry. I fucking my head's melted from spending all this time with my kids and I was planning my new tattoo and I was I want to do love hearts you know those sweets um oh nice and I was gonna put Seb in one uh but now after the last terrible 20 idea. fucking seven days I'm I'm actually gonna put SVU instead I, th- <laughs> I think SVU forever <sighs> This, there's a dangerous element about doing things, permanent things during this time. <laughs> Do you know uh, what I mean? Are we all I know. ready to make permanent decisions? I know. I'm watching um, Real Housewives Beverly Hills season three. And um, Kim Richards is, she's kind of newly sober. And she's like talking about getting a nose job. 
out of what looks to be sheer boredom. And I'm like, Kim, no, like no big decisions in the first year of sobriety. They don't even let you fucking bone new people in the first year of sobriety. Never mind have actual bones broken in your face and reformed into little noses. And you know what? She doesn't even seem like that gone on the idea either. It's fucking crazy. She's like, they're like, I think I'll get my nose done. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I like my nose. And you're like, Kim, Kim, can you watch grip, this? Kim. Can you just watch this episode back and listen to yourself, Kim? Um, so that's <sighs> my news. I have a great creep of the week. Courtesy of I love it. Uh, listener Sinead Rowe. Fucking iconic um, <laughs> headline <laughs> that she has just sent us. Uh, so the tweet is, um, okay, well, no, I'll just give you the headline. Food Network pulls, quote, worst cooks in America season 20 after champion charged with child murder. Yes, I saw that all right. Fucking what hell. What the fuck happened? Um, so, um, but firstly, I can't believe they got 20 seasons out of worst cooks in America. Sorry, what the fuck is this show? They're just, is it people's houses or professional worst cooks? It feels like bullying. So it's a reality show that takes um, 12 to 16 contestants who are referred to as recruits and they have very poor cooking skills and they are brought to culinary okay. boot camp and ultimately mm-hmm. 25 grand is up for grabs. And... Uh, for being the worst still or the be- most improved? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. <laughs> I think it's most improved. Yes. Hmm. Okay, so that's it. It's That's the journey. Okay. That's the arc. They're Whose going kid from did being she kill? the worst. I just can't believe they have 20 seasons of that. There's so much shite on TV, starting... isn't there? So anyway. I feel like there was more and now there's less. That there's less shite. I think it's just more spread out. Oh, speaking of like um, not shite on TV, it's a sin on Channel Four. Is oh yeah, I've heard unbelievable things about this. It's amazing. It's a limited series. Sorry, sorry, love. Go go. on. No, sorry. I'm going to lower the tone, but you you talk about this first. (laughs) Okay, Um, it's a limited series by Russell T Davies, who wrote Queer as Folk, which was. Me and, one of me and Jen's absolute fucking faves when we were teenagers. Cassie, you were a fetus when it came out. Mm-hmm. But it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, this, yeah, he's written this show and it's set in London in the 80s or at the kind of, at the kind of beginning of the AIDS epidemic coming kind of, well, becoming like worldwide. And it's, I'm two episodes in and it is so good. It's so I'm the just trailer's so happy very because smart. not because of the AIDS clearly, but because it's I haven't watched anything good in so long. Like I've just been watching. Uh, but it's, old did reliable. you see the trailer, guys? Yeah, the trailer is like fascinatingly relatable at this current time. Mm. You know, to COVID. Yeah, because he's talking in the trailer about how he doesn't believe it's real, and you can totally see how you could not believe it was real it was only targeting you know intravenous drug users gay people 
People that you the know, mainstream just didn't give a shit about. Margins. And it's well, so exactly. fucking, it's actually terrifying in th- through the perspective of living through COVID to see how fast um, the world can mobilize against a threat and to then think back to those times and how galling that it was 10 years before it was even really being fucking reported on accurately. You know what I mean? Like, and te- like what, well, mm. 10 years before, like, People, the kind of the mainstream got behind it. People like Lady Di hauled it out yeah. um, and put it Remember in front that, of the world that's... audience. And what um, It's a Sin does really well in particularly the first episode and the second episode is like has that real on the ground feeling of the confusion of what is this? How do we respond to it? Like, um, how do you get it? Exactly. It reminds it? me of the beginning of COVID in that like it's all do we wear masks? Is it airborne? Do you get it from this? Do you get it from that? And like, there's just this fucking harrowing storyline about um one of the gals is looking after one of their friends who is sick and like, he's gone to the hospital and been d- diagnosed with tuberculosis and then been given this oh. um like horrific questionnaire um, and, and been told nothing about his own illness. Like he's fucking bewildered and she's there like wearing... Um, washing up gloves because she doesn't know if you can like she doesn't know do you get it from a surface it, yeah. what what happens and it's like oh, it's just it's so fucking sad it's so enraging and it's really good it's good fucking TV sorry okay that sounds extremely oh guys while we're on the subject somebody also wrote in we will all enjoy this uh, new podcast it's from Wondery there's only a couple of episodes out so far and the name of the show is the apology line. Oh. I remember reading about this a while ago. So the apology line started as, uh, I guess, kind of an art project, really. And it was a phone line put up by this guy, you know, ah, yeah. uh, stapled on in the 70s to telephone poles. And it was, please anonymously apologize for anything, get something off your chest. And then he had a phone, uh, you know, one of those answering machines just rolling and people were ringing in. Amazing. Leaving him these messages. And then it gets, so, you know, I don't know any more of the story. I'm only on episode two, but there's not that much about it online. Uh, But the podcast is fucking brilliant. So get involved in that. Deadly. If you're looking for something to listen to. Which I am. Very good. Also, and it's also, it's the wife of your man telling the story. Which is good because she was there at the time. I love when there's a personal touch, like murder on Middle Beach. Exactly. That's it. That's actually what I'm doing my slot on Jennifer Zamparelli about next week. Is like three times that documentary makers were like bang in the middle of their own story. Um, Oh, nice. I was going to say on the the listen to front, what I've just started listening to, which is really good, um, is called Somebody to Love. And it's on Audible. And it's all about this writer, Alexandra Hemmingsley. She's written a couple of other books that I've read uh, about running and swimming. And this one is about... Her uh, partner uh, coming out, asserting oh, wow. their identity as trans while she was on maternity leave. And um, and their kind of evolution as a family. So it's really, Amazing. really interesting Interesting so time to do that. All That's right. what, what do we have this week? Let me tell you what I have, right? Today I have a, a, quite a few, so I'll let you pick them. Urban Legends that you didn't realize are actually based on real fucking stories. Fun fucking So we're fantastic. talking, I don't know if you've ever heard of Charlie No-Face. <gasps> no. No, I haven't. Ever heard of him? No. 
Someone living in your attic? Something, the, the fucking night doctors. Do you ever hear of them? No. Or what about the Alice killer killings? Or no. more specifically, uh, the playing card killer. Oh, Never that's heard of them? familiar. No. Oh, I'm excited, Jen. And the baby, this is a really interesting one. This is the baby, the legend of the babysitter and the man breaking in. The calls coming the from the inside of, inside the house. Exacto mundo. I know uh, that's So, right. you know, where all these kind of legends are based on. Is so that I'll the just one give you that's a, set the, in the 50s? This, you're dead right, so ah, yes. uh, that is it. So I can just give you a few little bits of and bits and bobs from that collection. Little divine, you know, one of those, yeah, uh, what do you call it? Grazing ta- platter. I was gonna say, or a, a tasting menu, delicious tasting menu. Yes, yep. Anyone got a wine pairing? I have um, um really strange lawsuits. Oh, Ooh, nice, very nice, like lots of oh, little, little, little nuggets. Um, Lovely. I have like basically the sequel to last week's episode. So it oh, is that's right. Love Behind Bars. But I think we should definitely head year direction and then, you know, assess. Excuse me, mine? Yeah, you two. And that because I was all of last week's episode was just like me, 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 me. Um, so I would very much like to hear stories from you guys and and possibly hold off with mine. All right. Okie dokie. No problem at all. Let's do it. Do you want do you Cassie? want me to start? Okay, so uh yeah. this was inspired by Lydia this morning shouted down to me from upstairs and she said, Cassie did you know that in 2015 famed actress Sofia Vergara was sued by her own embryos? (laughs) What? Did you know this? (laughs) Oh my God, that is so good. So in 2015, Sofia was sued by two of her embryos with the help of her ex-fiance, Nick Loeb. Um, so basically, the couple who had split up in 2014 had gone undergone an unsuccessful round of IVF in which they left two female embryos frozen. Now, part of the agreement was that there was like a contract, I suppose, drawn up that neither party could do anything with the embryos without the consent of the other. So in the in the, um, I suppose, likelihood or instance that they would break up no one party could decide to either implant them into a surrogate or do whatever right ah okay that seems fair yeah which is which is legit totally fine right but the lawsuit was filed in louisiana because that's where nick Loeb claimed the couple had planned to raise their children and in louisiana an embryo is considered a person in the eyes of the law so um the oh, we all know where that kind of fucking shit gets you well that's it bizarre right so uh with the help of her ex-fiance nick the embryos <laughs> but he wasn't with the help of with the help of so nick approached the embryos <laughs> with this suggestion and he said be reasonable guys he was like, guys, I have a bit of news for you, right? Um, You're not so, even going to be able to spend the money, your embryos. 
But his whole claim well, was that a trust thing. fund had been set up from them. A trust fund had been set up for the two embryos, obviously to come into fruition when they were people. That um, well, And the, the trust fund was reportedly created in Louisiana. And as a pro-life state, um, they took the case. And a judge named the trust, the plaintiff, as um, the embryos, whose names were Emma and Isabella in the court. Um, oh, and oh the my whole, God. Who named them? I have no idea. And Imagine the, somebody else naming your embryos. Yeah. Um, the, the whole lawsuit kind of rested on the fact that they were being denied their trust fund by the sheer fact that they were being denied life. Um, wow. Now, that's unbelievably greed and grimness coming from that guy. Isn't it absolutely batshit? Bizarre. Right? Yes. Uh, now, it obviously, he didn't win, um, or they didn't win. Uh, and I don't think anything further became Isabella and Isabella and Emma, other than it raised some interesting points about kind of uh, embryos and their legal standing as individuals. Um, so yeah, he was asking that the embryos be kind of, I was, custody isn't the right word, but like that he would obtain the embryos and he could receive their inheritance. Without them even being born? Cass? No, he wanted to put them, he wanted them to Implant be born. Implant so in a surrogate. He wanted them to put them in a surrogate and oh wanted them to be born. Oh my God. Yeah. And oh his his defense, his That's legal like team argued that he, yeah, his legal team argued that he went through the process understanding that the embryos would be brought to term um, and that it was like me, not like it was just illegal for them not to fulfill the process, even though they had been then split up and she had since remarried. Um, so that was interesting. Bizarre. And then it brought me on to bizarre, other very strange um, lawsuits from back in the day. So hold on, let me just bring my, I was closing down all my other work. Um, so I don't know if you guys can hear the screaming from my end. Uh, a little, a touch of screaming. I apologize. Is everything okay? It is just, uh, Arlo's just scheduled an insane tantrum for this entire recording. Um, Perfect. So, sorry, Cass. No, don't Thank worry, you. don't worry. Um, so If I turn down my Zoom, would that no. stop picking it up then? Oh yeah, that's okay. No. Um, okay, so another weird, weird, completely unnecessary lawsuit. The Americans just love to sue. And there's this oh, other very litigious. Oh, love it. So in 2005, a judge in Washington took a pair of pants to a local dry cleaners for alterations. And when he went back to collect them a few days later, they weren't there. So the business owners, a couple named Chung, had accidentally sent them to the wrong location and sent them out to the wrong people. And the judge, he himself a judge, argued that the Chungs had failed to honor their satisfaction guarantee as so displayed in a, uh, on a sign printed in the store. And he tried to sue okay. them for $67 million. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's 
I'm fucking Jesus. pissed. He's no, he wet. said that they had failed in failing to honor the guarantee. They had committed seven violations of Washington D.C.'s D. consumer protection law. Um, now a D.C. court, hurtful. the court ruled in favor of the Chungs. It was like get over it. And then the man himself was his term as a judge expired in 2007, and he was not reappointed. So karmic, fabulous Good. retribution there. Absolutely stunning, right? Another. America. In 2014, there was a woman who was walking down the subway. And you know um Dexter, the show yeah. we talked about yes. it recently, shifted his sister. Yeah, Michael um, C. Hall. I live for him. <laughs> there's there was a poster advertising Dexter with his face covered in in like the cling film stuff that he used to wrap the bodies in. And the woman That's right. walking yes. through Grand Central. I've seen the poster. Yeah, you'd recognize the poster. So the woman walking through Grand Central Terminal saw the ad, got scared, fell, and claimed <laughs> that the advertisers were responsible for her injuries. But the defendants argument argued that they had absolutely no duty to protect the woman because her falling over at the fear of the ad was completely unexpected and like Ridiculous. could not have been planned. So she also did not win her ridiculous lawsuit, but thought that was a solid, solid effort. I have to just uh, just jog my memory of the ad, um, the subway poster. Um, Is it coming up for you? They obviously didn't change. I remember it too. Dexter. <laughs> yeah, you'd recognize it. It's just so... It's oh so God, funny, it's isn't it? It gave the woman a fright. It's just grand. It looks this like somebody's like, um, literally just like lowering cling film onto his face. It's not yeah, even it's like not actually an aggressively wrapped face. And then there's a picture of here with her with crutches um, and a cast. It's oh like God, um, the famous woman who sued McDonald's for the boy hot, 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 hot coffee. Um, That's right. Okay. We have another lady who uh, just, again, proved that Americans love to sue people, was suing in 2015 uh, in a £95,000 suit after she broke her arm at a party. But, I mean, and, and that happens. People, they fucking love to sue the homeowners when they have an injury in other people's houses. The problem mm. was that the person she was trying to sue was her eight-year-old nephew, Whose birthday it was? <laughs> Jesus, he was eight. He, he wasn't a, an embryo of Sofia Vergara's, was he? Well, he didn't have like, ninety-five thousand. Was the payout going to be amazing for well, the aunt? Speaking of, I have a story. A close family friend who it's a bit sketchy now, even saying this. There was a bit of in-family sue action after a dog bit a child. <gasps> Ooh, inter-family suing, very. Very not toxic. A good idea. Very messy. Very toxic, toxic Sophie. Toxic. A huge mess. Disgraceful. Um. So, obviously, uh, poor Sean—that was his name—had jumped off his bike and ran over to his auntie Jen, seeing her arrive at his birthday party. Got excited, gave her a hug. She fell over, broke her arm. Hugged her. And her argument was and that he, she he was, fucking sued him. Her argument was that she was he was overly enthusiastic 
and that he as a reasonable thinking eight-year-old should have known better. (laughs) But a Connecticut jury ruled in his favor. And then she later tried to say that it was just a formality that like the insurance company makes you sue. But I'm like, the insurance company does not make you sue a fucking (laughs) eight-year-old for breaking your arm. Oh, that's Um, so depressing. I know. And then there's some that like people, there's uh, others of like uh, Americans suing advertisers and um, companies. So a Californian woman tried to sue a company called Fresh Ink who were the manufacturer of a lipstick called Sugar Lip Treatment. And she alleged that the company were deceiving consumers about the amount of lip balm in the product, which is like (laughs) a big thing, right? So her suit claimed that she could only access 75% of what was there because the last 25% gets stuck in the tube and she Relatable. can't get it out. She's fucking right. And you know so what? She's this is right. Because she said you cannot, even if you can access it, you can't apply it in the intended manner. So it's like a classic Dead lipstick right. where it's angled and it does get down to a little nubbin and you can't use it in any sort of pleasant no, And you get the fucking... Way earbud after it yeah or you like, get out the little yeah. angle brush and um, but you were never do you know what i love to apply fucking foundation with an earbud or lip balm i just applied just some lip balm imagine just reminded me the rage in that moment that she decides to sue this fucking company <laughs> she's just had the fuck enough it was like the final straw of a shit day yeah and she, she definitely did it in january <laughs> She's like, this is yeah. it. Yes, exactly. I, know. I just can't fucking, fucking take this day. anymore. Um, yeah. And another Missouri man, he in, he tried to initiate a class action suit against Hershey's, claiming the box of Reese pieces and Whoppers candies contained too much air. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, it's the crisps issue. Yeah. He just said there's too much air. And he noted that he'd been buying the boxes of sweets for at least a decade and the amount of air had um increased so just people Mm. with too much time on their hands some of them are right chocolate airman and lipstick bitch they are right 100 percent right yeah unless he was eating arrows or a whisper in which case the bubbles (laughs) have gotten too big um so there was another man then who tried a michigan man who tried to sue the advertising company Anuasir Bush for violating the state's policy on advertising because according to his lawsuit, um, sorry, a brewing company, not an advertising company, but according to his lawsuit, the advertising company that represented the brewery who makes drinks like Budweiser had um, ads con- containing pictures of beautiful women and tropical island- islands and they were deceptive because they implied that the person's fantasies would become a reality when they drank <laughs> the product. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. And he Links said, Africa. He said it was oh, dangerous maybe. because it was encouraging him to drink, seeking beautiful women and beautiful shores. Um, Dead right. Yeah. And he sought more than $10,000 in damages for his mental and emotional distress and his financial loss at drinking the beer. But um, did he win? No. No, no. They, I feel like that's kind bad, of a low, I feel like, a low enough amount. That's what I was about to say. That's I feel fair. like he was being reasonable with the 10K. He was. He should he have was. got a bit of that. He should have like got a nice supply just for the ingenuity. 
I've, he should have got just a, a few free crates of of um, Budweiser. I remember actually distinctly my um, parents when we were younger had bought like a six pack of Budweiser and they opened one and it was flat and they made a complaint and got this giant crate of Budweiser sent to the house. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, did they with Budweiser a pack of fruit really? I know. That were smelling off. I sent it back to the company in an envelope saying here's the he, I stuck fruit pastilles to a page I stuck a pastille that smelled correct as far as I could see <laughs> and one from the under smelling variety and they sent me like five pound voucher for Nestle shit delighted with Sometimes myself if you, like if you go for the complaint <laughs> and like you're just you're only asking for what's yours and some good products sometimes you know it's worth it but going straight into a lawsuit is a bit of a dramatic way to go about it things. is um but it True. was there that just to bring it all back together there was that woman in albuquerque new mexico who sued mcdonald's for serving her coffee that was too <clears throat> hot it was uh she was stella liebeck and she was 79 it was in 1992 and she actually received her degree burns when she spilled the entire cup of coffee over her lap attempting to remove the lid from her cup in the drive-thru so she scalded her thighs and she was hospitalized for eight days undergoing skin grafts Fucking and received hell. medical treatment wow. for nearly two years. So, Oh, but, I'd say that was expensive. Yeah, but she successfully sued them for £1.7 million saying that their coffee was hotter than other places and other establishments. And she won. It must have been. It actually must, it have, must been. have been. It must have been. Yeah. And also, she's the reason that all coffee cups say now hot contents. Uh She's the reason for that. Yeah. I think it was yeah. like a big ha-ha at the time, you fucking Egypt. But looking back, I think she's she's not a fucking Egypt. Do you know what I'd say happened there? She got left with these enormous medical bills and she was like, holy shit, how am I going to yeah. pay for this? And then they were like, well, it happened in McDonald's. Why can't you give it a, give them a swing? See if you could get yourself cleared up. And that's what ended up happening. Fair balls to her. Yeah. Um, and another person who actually won a lawsuit against a company was a man called Benjamin Carthus who sued Red Bull. Um, so he... Give you wings? Yeah, that whole thing, right? <laughs> but he he sued not because Red Bull doesn't give you wings, which is obviously not going to happen. But he sued them because he was, he'd been drinking it for like 11 years. And then realized that it had less caffeine than a cup of coffee and argued that the brand's claims of increased performance concentration and reaction speed were completely misleading and a a judge agreed (laughs) with him but then to avoid a lengthy legal battle red bull settled out of court so i don't know how much so we don't know for how much yeah Well, that's yeah. interesting. And he's sort of right there. I, I'm surprised to hear that. I thought it was a highly caffeinated. That was the whole point of Red Bull. Um, no, is the answer. No. Shocked. And then based Shocked on the ruling, anyone who'd bought a can of Red Bull in the previous 12 years was entitled to claim a refund with or without proof of purchase. What the f- How could that occur? I'd say they had ways to like avoid paying people, but uh, yeah. Listen, it's given me a bit of a taste for, you know, yeah, having no, been I'm sued like, twice myself. Do? I've got, there Maybe must be something. I think it's time for fucking payback. Suing people left, right and centre. 
No, because if you are one of those Sue bastards, the reality is you're a cunt. Yeah. Most of the time. So here, look at that swing, swing dickhead, for instance. The issue, I think, what happened to her and Sophie's on the swing. What's her name again? The, the, um, the swing oh, incident, anyway. Marie? So, uh, I think Maria. M- maybe Maria. So she, what happened, I think, she did get injured, whatever, was pissed. Then the chit chat with the friends happens and you get all riled up, you know, that way. And you're like, you initially had never considered that you could sue anybody or that would be a thing you would do until people start saying, well, you know, actually they might be liable for, and then you get all like, ah. Uh-huh. So I think it's, it's influence from those type of people. That's the problem. The people who don't yeah. have the balls to do it themselves, but they just want to watch the world burn by way of you making a tit out of yourself publicly. Constantly. Anyway, Cassie, that was marvellous. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm happy and sad for some of those people. Uh, really let me take you on a journey the lip, now. The lip balm woman. <laughs> yeah, me too. Really That's very relatable frustration. Mm. Welcome to hell. Okay. Ever heard of Charlie No Face? No. No. And I'm excited. Well, I feel like if it's you because were a I've, child. Because I've actively avoided these kind of stories for my life, but do bring them into me now. Right. Of course you have, Cassie. I will. <laughs> Says co-host of a podcast called The Creep Dive. I know, but like this, like something like Charlie No Face, I'd be like, absolutely not. No, thank you. Hard I fan. would like to sleep <laughs> no, again you. and not picture people. Like, do you remember Goosebumps or Are well, You Afraid of the Dark? And they yeah, had an episode, course. they had a, an episode once where someone was in a, a haunted, um, what you call them, like carnival, the things that yeah, the Americans game. love. Oh, like a ha- house of horrors or something Kind like of thing, like one of those classic like, f- festivals that they seem to put on in small provincial towns and um, there's a Ferris wheel and, you know, it's... Oh, the, like the, the Stars Hollow um, Winter Festival. Kind of. And there was a... Or the uh, Stars Hollow Spring Fling. That's it. Or the, the Spring Stars Flings. Hollow 24-hour dance marathon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, there was an episode and they went to one of them and they went into the House of Horrors and there was loads of people with no faces and I still remember it and I'm 31 years old and I still find it terrifying. Well, that's it, Cass. Some things get you, other things don't. And have you ever thought to yourself, where do these stories begin yeah yeah How are they and the fact is they're scary because there's a possibility they might be true oh they all are they're definitely true they all most of them begin in some form of real event here here i'm going to tell you about some of them right we don't know necessarily charlie no face because we are not children living in the pittsburgh area of america he's also called the green man and it is, it is foretold that Charlie was a utilities worker who was disfigured in an horrendous accident. So some versions say acid it was that melted off his face. Other people say he got electrocuted directly to the face. And, uh, and there's also kind of a, this feeling that uh, the acid t- created this kind of hue or some sort of toxin created this green hue. So slight variations. Oh, that's like those remains, women with the really bad highlighter. <laughs> It's true. It, you know those women who you see in a them different in way. certain lights and their and faces are quite glue- green, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
one way or the other, Charlie's face has been melted directly off. So he wanders the dark. This is according to legend. And the children are telling each other this story into like scary places, under bridges, old abandoned railway places. Mm. And uh, this one specific place, uh, it's a tunnel in South Park Township and it's referred to as Green Man's Tunnel. So for years, local teens drive in, you know, doing the friggin' at the, you know, doing the daring, all this kind of carry on. Mm. And many say they felt an electric charge from his presence and had problems getting their car to start back up after calling out to him. So others claim to see his face glowing inside the tunnel as well, right? As it turns out, there is a truth about this old legend. So uh, the... There was a man by the name of Raymond Robinson back in 1919. Raymond was playing near an electrical power line, ended up getting electrocuted, nose burnt off his face, one of his arms, both his eyes scorched. He did survive and spent the rest of his life as a relative recluse, keeping himself to himself. Only venturing out for walks at night, but was by all account a very friendly man just so happened to be disfigured in this way so that's where the truth of that so here's the next one you know the old as the story goes killer living in your attic remember i told one of these stories once yeah yeah right here in the creep dive somebody's living in your attic and you're saying to yourself you know the old story family unknowingly living with this murderous squatter uh living in the walls Hearing movements, things going missing, stuff often eaten out of the fridge. Yeah. You're like, why? Where did all that begin? Well, then, and I remember I came across this story myself uh, a good while ago during my research. And I was like, this is fucking darkness. And I don't want to tell this story in case it leaks into my face. And this is the story. In March 1922, uh, of a German farm by the name of Hinterkaifeck. This is Germany's most famous, uh, horrendous unsolved murder, right? So Andreas Grubber was the owner, started noticing small things missing or out of place. Family reportedly heard footsteps. Andreas himself found footsteps, but no body. So by the end of March, the source of those footsteps descended from the attic, brutally murdered Andreas, his wife, their adult daughter, Victoria, and her two small kids. With Jesus. this type of pickaxe, right? Ah. Not only this stuff. Right, I went then off into, into a bit of branch away to, to read a lot more about this story. I'll just give you the he- heads up. So basically, that's the... It, so I'm kind of connecting these two stories, but they're sort of not necessarily connected. But the weirdest part about this kind of mass murder of a family was definitely that it was never solved, but that the bodies were found about six days after they were purported to be murdered by this stranger from the attic. Uh, Neighbours around the farm saw the bloody, you know, chimneys spouting out smoke during that time. There was Uh. things happening in the house. So the guy, presuming he's a guy, uh, stuck around for the six days, made dinners, hung around. Not only that, fed the pets, did a bit of the farmyard, did a bit of the kind of, you know, the workings around the farm. Oh, so that's kind of what led people, I know, did housework. So. <laughs> yeah. He did a bit of housework. Uh, and himself. he was never... If he sees a job needs doing, he has to do yeah. it. 
Um, so I went know, off uh, to no read about yeah. that. Um, like, did they find evidence that someone had been living up in the attic or was there definitely no uh, no sense ever that it was any of the family staging like a, a family massacre? Yes, there was many things presented. Uh, so this is a hundred, nearly exactly a hundred years ago uh, that this happened. And there's been tons of, you know, posthuman well research into this case it still remains unsolved there was loads of things that they suggested it could have been but the fact that they were killed by pickaxe means it's unlikely to be <laughs> very hard to take your own life with a pickaxe hard yes absolutely yeah, right fair. there was this guy called lorenz right who was the guy who found everyone dead in the farmhouse and uh, there was a bit of whispering amongst the village that lorenz had fathered one of victoria who was the daughter's children uh-huh. and she you know back then it wasn't the done thing uh lorenz himself went on to marry had a wife had a little baby baby died he was devastated went back killed everyone in this previous no. in this other grief that's hates. another thing that could have happened and the reason they think it was lorenz is because first of all he found everybody but then the people he found them with described his behavior really strange so the descriptions of Lorenz like picking up the bodies and it's just bizarre uh, it's just a yeah. weird shit to do do you know mm. and he knew everybody knew them I mean there was a very small place to live okay so that's the attic shit um but oh, this is good lads so this is called the Alice killing so the Alice killings a fairly well-known urban legend circulating in Japan so according to the legend a string of murders happened in Japan between 1999 and 2005 and the victims bodies were mutilated limbs torn off and the name Alice was written somewhere nearby the victims in the victims blood so police found as well in the legend one playing card carefully placed at each gruesome scene first victim was found in the woods impaled by tree branches second victim had his vocal cords ripped out third a teenage girl her skin was flayed mouth sliced open eyes carved out crown sewn into her scalp uh, final two victims were twins uh children so this now is legend right this is the urban legend part so and then the legend goes on to say that allegedly police made one arrest in 2005 when a suspect was found wearing a jacket belonging to one of the victims <gasps> but they couldn't connect him to any crime scene the man claimed the jacket was given to him by some demon without a face <gasps> then a morbid song <sighs> called Hito uh, Bashira Arizu right which roughly translates as Alice of Human Sacrifice was released in Japan by a producer known as Yugami P in 2008 the song detailed the killings and mentioned some distorted dream yeah, uh, maybe something where the faceless demon lives right so it's wide, widely believed that the song, the killer wrote this song, but the, that person has never been found. The truth is, there were no Alice killings in Japan. However, just before the legend came to life, a real-life serial killer known as the playing card killer was terrorizing Madrid in Spain. So... Police were out in full force back in 2003 trying to find the person responsible for murdering six people and injuring three more every time, leaving a playing card on the bodies. So uh, authorities were at a loss. There was no clear connection between the victims and uh, no motive, but they knew they were dealing with a psychopath choosing victims at random. 
Um, so they may never have found him if he didn't waltz right into the police station and, and admit to everything he'd done. Oh so God. they had no fucking leads on this guy. And he just then arrived into a, a police um, station. So his name uh, was Alfredo Galan uh, Sotilo. So he changed his story after that multiple times and then decided that he didn't in fact do anything at all uh, after he confessed. Then he claimed a Nazi was forcing him to confess to the murders. Anyway, look, he was sentenced to 142 years in prison. And that's... The play, the playing card killer. That's weird. We all know isn't about Cropsy. So, like, Very that weird, story emerged in Japan, or sorry, was it mm-hmm. Korea? And uh, Japan at the same kind of time in Spain. Like, yes, absolutely a right. Near so identical, story... real thing was unfolding. Was there any ever totally. any sense that this Gallon guy was like aware of connected to the Jack of the urban? No, it, not that I know it of. Spread on not that I know pasta, of. Didn't it? Oh. It did. It did. Uh, well, weird. why? What would you like to hear next? You, I can tell you about the bunny man. I can tell you about the hook man, mm. or maybe dog boy. I'm gonna go for Ooh, bunny I'm man. Dog boy. Okay. Well, let's have Ooh. dog and bunny. Can we have yeah. two? Okay. You can. Yes. Bunnies. I don't want cropsy. On my notes I first. don't know why I just hate cropsy. We've done cropsy. I just think. Well, it's... everybody already knows about him. Also, and also I always wasn't there the like, documentary? There is a yeah. good documentary, yeah. And I always feel like it kind of like doesn't really climax. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I appear to be mean. disappointed anyway. that it's not harrowing enough. Okay, let's go dogs and bunny men, please. The legend of bunny man started around the 70s and like most urban legends, a bit of Chinese whispers changed a lot. But the most common telling began way back in as far as the, around the 1900s, uh, when a local psychiatric facility in Clifton, Virginia, shut down and its patients were transferred to another facility. Uh, so uh, during the transfer, many escaped and they are oh mostly sloppy guys. So sloppy. They are all <laughs> mostly like I'm picturing guards just up. trying to hold on to them. Well, that's exactly what I'm sure it is. They're not fucking superhumans with like light speed legs. They're just people. Like, uh, you know, when you so bring too many snacks to the couch in one go <laughs> and you're there like, no, no, the Cadbury's fingers are getting away. I fucking love a Cadbury's exactly. finger. They're so good. Right. They captured all but one of the patients. And uh, the one of the patients' name was Douglas Griffin. He was locked up for killing his entire family on Easter Sunday, right? Right. Soon after his escape, skinned and mauled rabbit carcasses began appearing in the trees and dangling uh, from this particular overpass called Colchester. So one day, a human body was found by the na- a man named Marcus Wolster. His body was dangling from the underpass in uh, the same sort of condition as the rabbits were. So uh, police went down, investigated, found your man, what's his name, Douglas, uh, who tried to bolt but was hit by an oncoming train instead. So now his spirit haunts the area, still hanging rabbit carcasses from the overpass, which is now dubbed the Bunny Man Bridge. Okay, Mm. so that is the legend. But there was never an asylum in the area uh, and there was never any Douglas Griffin or Marcus Wallster. The truth is, the 
that the tale is simply the existence of a person with thirst for rabbit blood. So some guy, apparently in the 70s, would get dressed up in a full bunny costume and terrorise the people of Fairfax County. So he would not only do that, but he was also butchering rabbits and filleting them from trees in the same, in the similar sense. And this was Bunny Man. And he never was caught. There was never any murder that anyone knows about. Just somebody passing the time, you know, doing a bit of cosplay and DIY taxidermy. Let's not judge. (laughs) Well, in fairness, that describes half our listenership. (laughs) and me and me (laughs) and dog boy okay dog boy ready yeah so we're in uh, Arkansas and this is their homegrown urban legend of dog boy so according to to the locals there uh, dog boy was once a living little boy who sadly uh, took great joy in terrorizing small animals um, you know and children younger than himself so uh, event and also his fucking parents. So eventually, his parents, uh, before his death, an apparent development of paranormal powers from beyond the grave. So, okay. So he died and started haunting the area. So now he haunts this specific house where he terrorized his parents. So a ghost appears in some kind of dog-human hybrid and enjoys inflicting fear and pain in people. So witnesses describe him as being large kind of a shaggy dog creature with the eyes of a cat confusingly uh, and allegedly <laughs> those who pass the house can see him peering out the front window and some have been chased down the street by this beast so um the truth is the old house at 65 mulberry in quitman arkansas was home to a vicious kid by the name of gerald bettis so Bettis did have a habit of collecting neighborhood animals, torturing them and killing his mate's pets, basically. And uh, eventually he had an additional room added to the house to keep his animals in. As a and, child. Uh, oh, I'm sure eventually it says, so I'm sure this is later. So he became sort of a giant. He then... I like the child overseeing his own extension. <laughs> Just... I will add on another floor. <laughs> uh, so this guy who grew up into a man Ended up being sort of a giant man at 6'4", weighing 300 pounds. He was known at the time to be still kind of very abusive of his living parents who were in the house. It just sounds dreadful Jesus. for them. And Jesus. it's believed then he I mean, I murdered can relate his father. I self-isolation. Sure. 100%. Oh, so he murdered his father. He ended up killing his dad. And, uh, well, there's no physical proof, but his dad fell down the stairs <gasps> in kind of an aggressive manner. That one. Ended up with all manner of broken face and arms and legs. And then he it was just him and his elderly mother who he continued to abuse. Oh, he God. kept her cooped up in a room, strapped down, not fed. And uh, until then, adult protective services stepped in, took the mom out of the house. And his mother testified against him for the abuse and for growing and selling marijuana. I mean, could this guy get any worse? He was sentenced to prison. Um... And found dead of an overdose in the mid-90s whilst in prison. So Jesus. that's where Dogman came from. So what's funny about that, or what's not like funny, haha, but that it was kind of like that legend was happening during the time Dogman was still in the house. Everyone's obviously on the street just fucking scared yeah, of him. Yeah. They knew some kind of mad shit was going down. Yeah. Everybody avoided the house. That kind of, it was that sort of 
level of imagine that like you get kind a new cat maybe boo radley cat goes missing yeah but it, yeah but, it, but an actual dog asshole man. as opposed to a poor solitary person uh that is freaky oh there's lots of them here um but there was one the, there was one old one blackwater and this started the blackwater legend started after our old friend Eliza Lamb. Remember her floating in the tank on top of the yes, hotel yeah. with the elevator stuff? Yeah, and a legend was born, a kind of scary story was born from that called Blackwater. And it's it's a story about somebody going into a hotel, running the taps and the water being black and then tracing it back to some decomposing person. You know, it's funny, isn't it? How it all happens. Yeah. How the truth is often at the beginning of the lie. Or no somewhere in smoke without it. fire. Even no smoke without fire. Tiny little flame. Anyway, sorry, I just ate up a load of time there. Sophie, no, that was please brilliant. tell us. Oh, it's, uh, there's loads of them. because yeah, every really. fucking legend, every creepy pasta has a thing. Yes, please, please do. Yeah, br- br- see okay, us out so with some romance. I- Okay, I'll bring you back home with some lovely romance. Dead right. Okay, so um, where? Let me just get back to the start of this. So, um, this is the beautiful love story of Spadoni and Jablonski, <laughs> who met in 1978. Um, Spadoni is the woman here in this equation. And she met her husband, Jablonski, after he put a, an ad in the paper. Um, and Spadoni was fucking delighted because um, he uh, just seemed really, like, into pursuing a relationship, a committed relationship. And Spadoni oh, yeah. was probably, like, meeting up with her girlfriends and being like, He's the one. He's the one. He wants to meet me. He wants to make this work. He's seeing long-term life sentence commitment. And the friends were like, amazing. Uh, (laughs) Tell us more. Do tell. And Spadoni was like, well, he's incarcerated. I'm all (laughs) over the place. I'm like, I'm going to like Long Island. Then I'm going to New York. I'm kind of in Yonkers. Anyway. Um, he was imprisoned for, and this could have scuppered the romance a little bit, but Spadoni was willing to make it work. So she was ready to overlook the fact that he was imprisoned for murdering his previous wife. Oh, Jesus. So I can change him. It's different with me. I can change it's him. different. <laughs> He's never had a girl from Yonkers. So, (laughs) over the course of the next few years, Spadoni and Jablonski got to know each other better. And isn't that lovely? And they didn't rush into anything. Like, four years courting, um, doing a line, as my mother persists in calling um, it, even though she knows what cocaine is and (laughs) knows that it's a confusing (laughs) phrase. But anyway, Spadoni and Jablonski were doing a line Uh, Probably went to a few hops together. And um, in 1982, tied the knot in San Quentin prison. A a destination wedding. I think we can agree. Um, Unfortunately, um, the wedding and the romance 
soured in the next couple of years. And I mean, I suppose like in a way, this relationship followed a similar kind of course to how many of our relationships with our long term other halves go in that Spadoni soon wanted to end the relationship, telling a friend that he was, quote, weird. Um, (laughs) And I can't believe the convict I married is weird. Just a little off. What does a gal put have finger to do? On it. I feel like Spadoni's friend is, um, her name is Marilyn. Marilyn. And she owns a salon. Anyway, <laughs> Spadoni found out that Jablonski was about to be released for good behavior. I know they definitely have normal first names, but I'm too in deep now. It's no, we're enjoying it Spaddy and Jablonski. So anyway, Jablonski's been on his best behavior. Um, for years and in 1990 released now huh. Spadoni not as happy as one might think his wife would be they're still married and um, she had moved in with her mother Ava and Spadoni was actually becoming becoming quite scared of Jablonski and scared of him being out so, like, I suppose, um, many a wife before her just preferred when her husband was incarcerated <laughs> and locked away. Fair. fair Relatable. Fair. So, um, Jablonski understandably assumed that he would be living with his wife once he was a free man. As he would. And sent his belongings to her home right before he was due to get out. Fair. And... Um, Spadoni and Ava were not <laughs> into this at all. Like, basically, it seems that, that like, Spadoni was kind of trying to do quite a an official type of ghosting. So she contacted his <laughs> parole officer and was like, I want to ghost this guy. Will you fucking help me? Because I told my friend a few years ago that he's weird and now he's out and he sent his shit to my place. And I just, oh, shit. I just don't want to have any aux conversations. So can you just like officially keep him from me, Mr. Break Parole Officer? Him? Yes. And um, which is very fucking fair because presumably at some point in the last 12 years, she's known him 12 years now, at some point in the last 12 years, it may have occurred to her that it's not great that he killed his first wife. Yeah. Um, and that that may not bode well for her. So anyway, they got someone to come Sometimes and it just Spadoni's. takes people a while to land at, you know, the right the right conclusion. Just everyone with their, their own time. Absolutely. And the dating pool is full of sharks. And uh, this is pre-bumble, pre, pre-plenty of fish, pre that one that executives only are allowed to use. Do you know that one that you have to submit like financial documents to prove that you're like executive level or above in your career stop the lights no yeah yeah it's just for executives to meet other executives or better so you can talk about how much money you have (laughs) scum yeah and if you think about it it's actually great because it's it's kind of a self-selecting thing where the scum self-select right out of the dating (laughs) pond exactly into into their own everyone a favor yeah so practically a anyway, um, <laughs> so Spadoni was pissed off when um, the uh, 
parole officer told him that he was not uh, allowed to visit his wife in California at her home under any circumstances. And um, then, unfortunately, uh, Spadoni didn't listen. He wasn't Uh taking the parole officer's advice. Presumably the parole officer was like, look, she's just not that into you. Mm. Um, Have you considered maybe moving up the career ladder, becoming an executive and joining this executive's only app? Um, So anyway, Jablonski visited the family home. Oh, fuck. Murdered Spadoni. Oh, Oh, fuck. Spadoni, only 46 at this point, also Jesus. killed his mother-in-law, 72, Jesus. 72. The incident was grotesque. Oh, dear. What did he do? Well, I'll just, okay. Do you, you want to know? Yeah. Obviously. Well, I have something uplifting to kind of round us off, so I'll get, I'll get into it. He stabbed and shot them. He did a bit of you know mutilation right by way Uh, of sex post-mortem which is one i suppose like thing uh he also did a bit of um post-mortem coitus oh uh, yeah not coitus rape um he also so baffling uh did the murders then went uh, and recorded some personal audio about the murders. And then he left Are you the trying tape. to tell me he made a podcast? He made a small podcast. Or like one of my long voice notes that I inflict on friends. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and so they found the tape in his car later. And uh, a quote from the tape is, Her nose and mouth were covered with duct tape wrapped so tightly it would have cut off her breathing except that she had been stabbed in the throat creating a functional tracheotomy oh uh, wow wow good job Jablonski she had a bullet wound behind her right ear and three stab marks in her abdomen additionally half of her right breast was sliced off exposing a silicon implant there were also stab wounds to her vagina and her intestines oh. were protruding from oh protruding from her oh why was he writing that if he that hadn't sentence. just done that I'm not going to finish that from her where. Okay. Well, protruding. isn't that weird? Just we know um, it's enough that it was protruding from anywhere. From from anywhere. And you know it's a lot Fair. if I won't read it. Like, it's a okay. lot, a lot. Say no more. A miming. Asshole. She's pointing. Okay. A miming. I got so, I missed yeah, it. Isn't that weird? Like, his, his phrasing is so detached yeah. and like, kind of like faux clinical. Like he's trying to kind of somehow elevate this disgusting, grotesque deed. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you ever exactly. um, You're you right. know, watch a crime procedural where they're in ad autopsy and the, um, you know, person doing the postmortem is speaking into like a dictaphone and being like, I'm seeing lacerations from a possible mm-hmm. owl attack or maybe wild horse. Um, that's yes. kind of what he's done there a bit. Anyway, TG... He um, was found guilty of those two murders and three others that maybe he just like did en route. Um, And he died in prison in 2019. Yay. At 73 years old. Jablonski, you fuckhead. Um, 
And then like a final bit of romance just to see us out, uh, just to bring us right back around to um, one of the... Okay, so do you remember last week we were talking about how, um, like, does anyone ever marry the fucking women? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, I went deep looking. And if you're a listener and you know a story of a an incarcerated murderous murder woman who got married in prison please let us know i could not find anything like even get out of here yeah like a fashion very telling do you remember carla hamalka married her lawyer's brother but that was two years after her release and fucking casey anthony got with the private investigator but she um you know was never fucking given much jail time was never um like i couldn't i started after I just couldn't find any from like general like you know woman killer marries in prison I then yeah. started googling specific women murderers to try and track down any information and just nothing nothing but I nothing. did find um a, a story of um like horrific the most horrific couple you can ever imagine getting together in prison. Rose West and Uh huh. Is it? It's Rose West. Rose and what's his name? Oh uh, sorry, and Myra Hindley. Yes. Can this you is a mad story. Fucking imagine. Like evil incarnate. It's like it is evil squared. It is like evil yeah, evil scissoring, literally. I don't know. Mm. Any any uh, lesbians uh, get in touch there? Scissoring? Scissoring. Yeah. Cassie's just shaking her head. Nailed, nailed it. it. Well, <laughs> got it. Okay, so um, quick, like everyone knows Myra Hindley and Rose West. Um, there's actually a bit of an age gap here. So uh, Myra was the cougar in this equation. Um she had already been in prison for 30 years um, for killing five children with her fuckface boyfriend, Ian Brady, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, their crime was known as the Moore's murders, if anyone doesn't know. I actually have uh, embarked on an abandoned podcast about that one. I just can't. Oh, no. it's too bad. It just it's too bad. You know, there's, there's, I think there's recordings. Am I right, Sophie? Yeah, yeah. And there's like, yeah. there's one, I think one took place around Christmas. And I was like, at Christmas, you know, the way people like to watch Christmassy movies and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'll settle down now here. I'll settle in. Turned off immediately. I was like, it's too bad. It's fucking, it's just so. Do you remember, actually, do you remember the YBAs uh, in the kind of late 90s, 2000s, the young British artists that like Damien Hurst was Mm -hmm. a part of the gang and Tracy Emin. Yeah. And uh, do you remember the portrait of Myra Hindley that Sachi bought? That's right. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Cassie, but it's like a pixelated image of that famous shot of her with the like bleach blonde kind of beehive and the dead eyes. And uh, it was made up of children's handprints. Jesus. Yeah, and it's it was abs- it's amazing you know it's amazing but very frightening it's fucking frightening and oh there was uproar about it like being created and displayed and everything anyway the gals met in like 1994 
when um, 1996 sorry when Rosemary was brought to um, HMP Durham and um, she... Her Majesty's prison <laughs> I think we've had that exact exchange before on this podcast where I just didn't have we yeah and you tell me what it stood for <laughs> anyway um basically apparently rosemary and now if anyone doesn't know about the wests they are just the other worst of the worst they killed like loads of women and children including their own and yes famous for burying in their garden yeah heather was buried under the fucking patio um, mm. in like eight, Hollyoaks quickly yeah took that storyline and ran with it yeah ripped mm-hmm. from the headlines what was his name again Jordash <laughs> Anna Friel and her mom killed Jordash what was his name amazing memory no she her last breeze. name was Jordash anyway look it was big it was big news um, in the uh, mid 90s when that uh, plot was playing out on Brookside was it Brookside? Was it not Hollyoaks? Just... It was Brook. Is that Hollyoaks or Brookside? I think Brookside. It was Brookside. It was Brookside. You're right. <laughs> Cassie's just sitting this Gone whole there. thing out. No, <laughs> to keep it in. I just I've never I never watched Brookside. I know, but you didn't even have to watch anything. Brookside to know all about the Jordashes. Like this was huge, Cass. Huge. <laughs> I'll take your word. Huge. I knew what it was. It was just before my time. Let it me was Google Brookside. Some His name was Trevor. Trevor. Anyway. I do um, love when they shoehorn a murder into a soap. Oh, yeah. And like, you can tell that they're like really like they're kind of clutching their dicks on it for years because they're not allowed to have too many murders. Like mm. they have to fucking eke them out a bit. And they'll be like, no, Deirdre was murdered last year. Can't have another murder for three years. And then someone's like, all right, all right. <laughs> what about? Okay, never mind. Anyway, um, so back to Myra and Rose and their little romance. So uh, Rosemary basically told her solicitor that, um, yeah, Myra, she's all right. We get on. I want to see how it goes. And um, her lawyer said that uh, Rosemary was very impressed by Myra's thirst for knowledge and um, that she had studied with the Open University and uh, Rosemary was very impressed by her abilities. And uh, so that was it. They met in the hospital wing uh, on an auspicious meeting and they uh, had kind of, they were hot and heavy. As only a 50-something-year-old serial killer and a 40-something-year-old serial killer can be. And um, then uh, soured. Soured quite quickly. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Now, can you tell who who was the bitch? Like, who was the Angelina to the other one's Jen? Myra. Yeah. Myra. Yeah, Myra was Angelina. Yeah. Fucking Team Rose. Who knew? So basically, Rosemary said that Myra was very manipulative and um, her whole opinion of Myra had changed dramatically. Apparently, you have to watch Myra. Mm. I could have told you that. I think five or six children in the 60s could have told you that. 
yeah, Myra, very manipulative. You don't realize it, but she gets you doing stuff for her. Oh, she's clever, all right. She's flipping dangerous, that one. She ain't going to take me for a cunt again. Um, <laughs> just like Jen and Angelina. And um, I love this because it's very, read between the lines here. She's very manipulative. You don't realize it, but she gets you doing stuff for her. That to me. Oh, she's implicating me, her. Well, that tells yeah. me that Myra's a taker. Oh, she's a pillow her. princess. Yeah, yeah. She pillow won't go princess. down. The pair of them are so gross. <laughs> May they rot in fucking hell. Imagine bonding with someone over your love of killing children. Well, that's it. Well, in a way, there's nobody else who could sort of, you know, who you could be on that level with. But other wait, than... this is terrible because this is the two of them having their at the second significant sexual relationships of their lives with someone they shared this interest with. Yeah, it's Fair terrible. Enough. There are people who don't find love, and Myra and Rosemary. That's hard to hard pill to swallow. Multiple affairs. It That's is tricky. disgusting. But I'm Very glad I cheered depressing. us all up with that. That's thank great. You. Thank you ever so much, and uh, thank you and for thank you, listener. And it, yeah. We love you. And if you are yeah. a patron, thank you so, so much. Like we were so talking just before we came on. Like you really are keeping us afloat. And um, thank you. It, it means a lot to be. It really does. Being paid for, for this. And it means we can de- dedicate time. And it just, you feel very, you know, validated in, in all this kind of and stuff. And we You're love like, our okay. lives. It, there's no, yeah. there's, oh, like lads. you can have the hardest week. And then a Thursday mm-hmm. at 7.30 rolls around. And who fucking knows what's going to happen? Ninety percent of people are really nice to you. Ninety percent, very good crack. It's fucking great it's crack. V- I'd love a transcript of the chat boxes. Like I wish. Oh, they we, were. You can one. get it though. So they have it. Just download every single one. They yeah. download every time. Oh, we know what you've said. We don't go oh, back. We see what you're saying. <laughs> that is so good. I, I swear, I'd actually just fucking read them because they are. So fucking gas they're hilarious absolutely gas like, so listen if you're thinking about it first. maybe now's the time uh it's fucking great crack also you can just watch them back if it's too intense or just turn off your video and uh just listen and just show you don't up. have to put your you don't have to be physically you put your face on there you don't even have to look at our faces if you don't want to no and no uh, not necessary also there's just such a massive back catalog of creep hives which is basically yeah. this what you've just listened to but like with more slander and yeah uh, and, and yes, secret you're right secret between us and the patrons some of those episodes are among my favorites we've ever done like i know yeah dennis one. nielsen still oh, one that of my was favorites. really good cassie's iconic yeah. mm, oh that was very very you're interested good as well in what we're There's talking been, about get back there get back behind that paywall there's fucking loads there, actually, when I think about it. Still not having a problem locating more creeps. No, Amazing. Never an issue. <laughs> uh, uh, so we'll, we'll see you on Thursday if you're on the patron. And if not, sure, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.